Peace, peace, and welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the Cook on Monday Morning Podcast. I am here with the undisputed, undefeated. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, you know, one of the uh, leading philanthropists, civic leaders of our generation, Daniel Lowry. Lurie. 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 I couldn't pronounce it as a kid growing up, so it's okay. okay. It's okay. Mr. Lurie, with my apologies. No problem. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> I cook on Monday morning. We believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. So, um, like myself, Daniel is a native of San Francisco. Um, he, you, you probably heard an organization that he built uh, called Tipping Point, which has, you know, done an incredible work to support anti-poverty initiatives in San Francisco. They're now in the middle of addressing um, housing, and I want to get into housing uh, or unhoused residents. Um, and you just moved on. I. I'm no longer CEO. I'm chair of the board okay. at this point. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, man. So it's this a is lot retirement to... right here, right now. And I'm oh, spending okay. my Monday morning with you. Okay. Which is okay. good. Yeah, which I'm, is good. Re I'm retired too. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long, I heard. Not no, for long. No, no, no. Um, so for the people that just may not know, what is Tipping Point? Okay. Uh, well, we started Tipping Point 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we... Uh, meant to address the inequality inequity in our community um, uh, there are far too many people living in poverty in the bay area uh, in an area as wealthy uh, and rich with resources as the bay area uh, we know that there are something on the order of 1.7 million people who are too poor to meet their basic needs and uh, there's there are a lot of people that want to be part of the solution. And so we built Tipping Point to be part of that solution. We started in 2005. One of my childhood heroes, uh, Ronnie Lott of the 49ers, uh, myself, uh, Katie Page, and Chris James started Tipping Point. Mm -hmm. um, and we made our first grants uh, to a couple organizations uh, right here in the city, including the Homeless Prenatal Program in mm -hmm. September of 2005. And we fund organizations that are focused on education, mm -hmm. housing, employment, and early childhood care. Uh, so we have groups that are, a third of our groups are here in San Francisco, mm -hmm. but then we have uh, uh, about a third in the East Bay and a third in the South Bay with a couple in Marin. Mm -hmm. um, we have about 40 organizations that we fund and support, and we try to connect those groups with the best resources throughout the region. Mm -hmm. um, I could go on, but... Um, but we're essentially like a f more like a foundation than we are ourselves a, um, a direct service organization. So we go out and try to fundraise as much as possible from individuals and from the business community. Mm -hmm. And then we partner with local government, whether it be, uh, you know, the city and county of San Francisco or uh, Oakland or San Jose. Um, we try to just put our arms around our organizations and help them be as efficient and effective at serving their clients as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the first time I heard about Tipping Point was through my former uh, high school history teacher, Alec Perkins. And, um, you know, before I ran a nonprofit, 
I knew that in San Francisco, there's like a ton of nonprofits. Yeah. I mean, this the Bay Area has a, a lot of nonprofits. And um and I and I heard about it because uh John Legend was performing at a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, typically it's John Legend. <laughs> <laughs> and so um um and that night did you uh, come to that show? I, I did Were come to that show. All yeah, right, yeah, it was, on, it was on Market Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at um, the Warfield. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the organization raised like three million dollars in a night or something like that. Is that low? Yeah, I think that was low. Okay. But you know, <laughs> it was good. that's all right. That's all right. Look, he was he put on a good show that night. Uh-huh. He put on a good what, show. What did y'all raise that night? You remember? I don't remember that night, but okay. um, uh, Alec, uh, who was a history teacher, uh-huh. right? My history at, teacher, where yeah. you went to mm-hmm. high school, mm-hmm. um, Thurgood Marshall, the best high school. Where, where'd you go to high school? Apparently not the best high school in San Francisco. I went to I went to University High. Okay, um, yeah. I didn't I didn't venture out much. I went to town school in the city. I went to university, and I literally live a block from where I grew up at this point, or mm-hmm. four blocks from where I grew up. Um, I did move out. I moved to New York for a while. I, mm-hmm. I went to school in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out, and then I knew I had to come home because it's the best place. But. Uh, Yes, Alec is one of our great board members. He's been on the board, I think, 11, 12 years now. Um, we have about 20, 25 board members mm-hmm. um, that cover all of our overhead mm-hmm. so that when we raise money uh, from the community, every single dollar goes out. So when you hear about foundations, typically you hear about big endowments and they just give away 5% of what they have in the bank or in their investments. Mm-hmm. Last year, we raised about $25 million for core operating support for those groups that I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, all $25 million goes out. Mm-hmm. So right now, actually, we're kind of, we've raised a couple million dollars this year. We want to try to get back to 25 so we can continue to support our groups and even add groups to our portfolio. So that's a big difference with our model mm-hmm. um, is that we believe that people are struggling now. Um, you know, we, we use this term that, you know, you, you could have a rainy day fund and you're saving up, but for a lot of people, and you know this well, a lot of people are struggling right now. And so mm-hmm. we've always believed in bringing in the money and getting it right out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's also kind of a different uh, thing. We we do have an annual event. Uh, we got one coming up in May, May 7th. We haven't announced the talent yet. Okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, last year uh, we raised about $16, 17000000 million in mm-hmm. one night. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we have a we have a crazy event, and we have a, a extraordinarily generous community that mm-hmm. wants to wants to be engaged and involved, and it's our job to bring people together. Um, I just, you know, this, uh, and we didn't talk about what we were going to talk about today, but I am so frustrated with the political discourse in this city and in this country. Is um, we're all. All we seem to be do, doing right now is attacking people. Mm-hmm. Billionaires are bad. Mm-hmm. Homeless people are bad. Um, but there's so many good things happening, and there's so many people that want to be engaged in the solution. I mean, we can't even... I think we're both Democrats. I mean, we Democrats are, like, at each other's throats right now. Like, it's not a... It's not a productive use of our energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I just took us on a whole new tangent. Sorry. No, no. I mean, no. This this show is about you know whatever your story and whatever you want to get into, and I, I would love to get into that. One of one of the things I, I wanted to highlight just for me about um, 
the success that Tipping Point has had around fundraising. And it's all kind of relative, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if the, the $25 million you raise is like um, a rounding error for your friends or if it took like a lot of work to do. But in this, in this, in this community, um, especially for me trying to run Mission Bit, like trying to raise money um, to raise for any nonprofit to see another one pull in like several million dollars in a night in a place that's like filled with nonprofits, that's mm-hmm. like, whoa, yeah. like yeah. that's crazy, yeah. you know? And so um, so that's what blew me away initially. Like, wow, they're, they're really raking in a lot of resources through like mm-hmm. their network and their effort. Yep. Um, so um, what, do you have any response so, to that? Yeah, so I, I listen, I mean, there's, there's definitely some groups in our portfolio that are like, hey, you know, is, does this mean that we're not going to be able to raise as much? And my belief and and our hope has always been that let us be good at the fundraising, and then we're going to go write some really big checks to you. So, on average, our grant size to our forty groups is about three three hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year mm-hmm. in general operating support. So that's another difference is that we don't um, we don't call a Martha Ryan, a homeless prenatal, or Erica Kish at compass or a sherilyn adams at larkin street and say okay we're gonna give you three hundred thousand dollars but you have to spend it in this particular way and it's Mm -hmm. very directed we say listen we're gonna do our due diligence we're gonna invest in the leadership and in the and the mission we're gonna support you with uh tools to analyze your data are you serving your clients well and that's on top of the three hundred thousand dollar general operating support grant we write some groups a million dollar check mm-hmm. um, if if they're at scale and if they're delivering results. So we've always believed that um, because we have a great network, we can go out and raise bigger funds, and in turn, we can write bigger checks to our groups. We've there's definitely sometimes been some tension uh, in the community that been like, well, why are you giving Tipping Point all this money? And I would just in turn say, listen. It's coming in and it's going out and we believe we're um, increasing the pie we're not taking money from the smaller nonprofits and I would say I do understand like we scrape and claw every year for that whatever number we raise mm-hmm. just like if someone's raising five hundred thousand dollars a year for their nonprofit or a hundred and fifty thousand dollars I'd say it's as hard to raise smaller dollars as it is the bigger dollars. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's another reason why we like our model. It keeps us hungry. It keeps us understanding that um, what our groups have to go through to fundraise each and every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. Like, and we don't think our groups should spend that much time fundraising. Mm-hmm. Okay. We think they should be serving their clients and doing their work better. And so we're trying to help them by giving the bigger checks mm-hmm. yeah no yeah i and i and i didn't look at it as like when i when i saw it happening i was like okay somebody's doing it as possible um how do i put mission bit in a position to do that because when you look at all the things that you want to associate with building a brand that um people uh believe in it's like you have like these celebrity acts performing you have like all these people that are positions of power attending and then you're putting up multiple millions of dollars of you know funds in the night so um so and you know because because i know because i know alec right um i did get some insight along the way about how it works mm-hmm. um and and even with how at least initially how you all secure performance acts because you had like 
uh, during my first school board race. Um, he came, Alec came to one of my uh, house parties uh-huh. and he was like, oh yeah, I'm on my way to see Prince right after this. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was waiting for you to bring up Prince. <laughs> okay. I mean, Prince, that was that was through one of our board members, mm-hmm. Phaedra Ellis Lampkins, okay. who is just the best. Mm-hmm. And she um, actually was one of the youngest organizers ever in the state of California, down in the in the South Bay, I believe. And she joined our board a number of years ago. I met her through, uh, I believe I met her through Van Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she took over Green for All when Van, I believe, went to the White House to mm-hmm. work for President Obama. And, uh, and then she got somehow connected with Prince, and she was helping to manage Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, Prince asked her to come help him. Mm-hmm. And uh, she and I talked a couple of times and uh about prince performing and doing a benefit and we had one conversation and we almost pulled the trigger on a concert and and then we had kept the conversation going and she called me on a monday morning and she's Mm -hmm. like what do you think about doing a concert i was like let's do it Mm -hmm. she's like how about wednesday i was Mm -hmm. like okay Uh we turned around i think it was a 48 hour 72 hour thing Mm -hmm. um and uh we did it at the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. We did two shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one was supposed to start at eight, and the second one maybe ten or ten thirty. Mm-hmm. There's a line around the door, around the block, mm-hmm. around the Fillmore, mm-hmm. and it's six six thirty p.m. Mm-hmm. And we get a phone call, and Prince is still in Los Angeles, mm. and it's six six thirty. Mm. Wow! He got there. The first show I think started. Nine second show I think started eleven thirty twelve. Okay, and he played till three or three thirty in the morning. Wow, um, definitely the one of the top moments in terms of just being able to uh, see you know. I think the best performer of you know our lives mm-hmm. perform and and uh, do it for do it for fundraising for our our community, which was great and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an amazing night, but we've yeah we've had some amazing talent. Last year we had Eddie Vedder play at our at a smaller dinner that we did last year, and uh, you know the list has gone yeah, on. Beck, Beck played. Beck, yeah, I didn't know who they were, but <laughs> Beck, he's pretty good. He's yeah. pretty talented. I know I'm, that's okay. Stop my genre right No, there. but they they won a lot of awards. So that guy, he's not a group; it's a person. It's a guy. Right. He has a band. He has a band. Uh-huh. I wasn't going to call you out on it. <laughs> he called you out yeah, on it. <laughs> yeah. the, I know who Prince and John Legend are, you know, but Beck, I'm not, you know. But. Chrome, you're wearing a Chromeo t-shirt. I think. He's talking about David off camera. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I think they may have played for. I, anyway, we've had some. I Believe me, we've had some acts play that I didn't know before we, uh-huh. we signed them. So we have a great relationship with Another Planet. Greg Perloff, the founder of, of that venue, puts out on Outside Lands mm-hmm. and a few other uh, perform, uh, uh, events. Mm-hmm. Um, and they run Bill Graham. They run the Greek Theater in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. They run the independent right on oh, the Visadero. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so we've done a lot of shows. We've done Nathaniel Rateliff, the Night Sweats at, at the Independent. And uh so Greg is Greg and Danielle Madeira and 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 Alan have always helped us with that. And then Live Nation um mm-hmm. uh helped us on the, on that print show. But uh Greg has been been great and that's how we 
usually get our talent mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so yeah, i think i think it's great because um obviously you you have you know a lot of people that can that can write big checks and you met some of these people that um are entertainment but you really are like accessible like you know like um we've met several times and i know you've been out you're out you make you're out in the community and you obviously you have a family you're doing a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. i want to get into so i think it's like this this bridge building thing that i've always tried to also do in my career like how do we bring these groups together for the benefit of the marginalized yeah right um i want to get into there's stuff about your story that i want to get into also but i want to talk about this project this housing uh project on our homelessness initiative yeah, yeah yeah we call it the chronic homelessness initiative okay yeah got it do you want me please to please explain okay so listen so all of the groups that we've been funding for you know, the last 15 years have been direct service groups working on those four issue areas, education, housing, employment, early childhood. And they're all meant to support people in providing opportunity to either get back on their feet or prevent them from falling into poverty, job training programs that, you know, will get someone a, a, a $32 an hour living wage job or early childhood program that will get kids to school kinder ready. And that's, I mean, that's our bread and butter. That is what we think we do really well, and it's super important. And then there's, but then what we haven't typically done is focus on folks that will never actually be self sufficient. Mm -hmm. um, and the, a lot of the folks that we're seeing on the street are not going to be self sufficient. They have mental health issues that need to be treated and, and stabilized. Um, there's a lot of people that are uh, so far gone having really. <laughs> damage themselves with drug use and opioid use and and meth use and 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 stuff but it doesn't mean we should give up on them right mm -hmm. but we had never funded groups that would kind of help those folks on the street that that we see um and so three years ago had a a friend who said listen we need to do something about this homelessness situation and at that time we had heard about um philanthropists getting behind family homelessness and the number of kids the the benioffs and salesforce getting behind um and they worked with hamilton families and tamika moss on trying to house these public school kids that were homeless mm -hmm. right i mean you know this better than i do mm -hmm. we also knew that the feds the federal government was doing actually a really good job addressing veterans homelessness um and and then we have some groups you know like martha ryan and erica kish and and larkin street you working with foster youth and family homelessness but no one was focused on chronic homelessness and so we said okay that's going to be our lane we studied the issue for six months and we um put together a game plan to try to hit the at that time 2100 people that were chronically homeless on the mm -hmm. street which means out on the street for more than a year and have a disabling condition usually mental health drug addiction alcohol addiction usually co-occurring mm -hmm. really tough population to handle but no one was focused on it mm -hmm. so we put together a plan and then we went out and we had uh, only a couple of dinners and a couple of meetings and we asked a small subset of our community to focus on that for a five-year period and we raised a hundred million dollars mm -hmm. our goal is to cut chronic homelessness in half in san francisco this is just san francisco that hundred million is just focused here we're not handing those dollars to the city mm -hmm. we're investing them ourselves in partnership with the city on some things mm -hmm. um and so that's a special initiative that is part of tipping point but outside that 
25 million, that core that mm-hmm. I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we're about two and a half years in, um, three buckets to the strategy. One, prevent, uh, sorry. The first one is build more housing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean ground up construction necessarily. It can be mean mining existing stock. There are empty apartment units in San Francisco mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working with a great group called Brilliant Corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex f- Turk came on and explained it too. Okay, great. Yeah. So Alex, Alex is a, a, a partner of ours on this and mm-hmm. he's helping us with the messaging mm-hmm. and this all in campaign that we're doing, mm-hmm. which means that um, we can do this. Mm-hmm. We need everybody to be supportive. We need everybody to say yes to housing in their neighborhood. We need landlords to say yes to bringing formerly homeless people into their apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Because I got a little secret for you. Okay. <laughs> if someone is housed, they're no longer homeless. That's true. And everybody is so worried about the homeless and they're so worried about, uh, but we have, we have formerly homeless living all over the city mm-hmm. and they're no they're not homeless anymore right. and they're stable mm-hmm. and they're and and many can become productive citizens again but we just need to get them housed so there's a a bucket that is trying to build more housing mm-hmm. or create more housing that's it's create more housing second bucket is prevent people from falling into homelessness and that's around mental health support that's working very closely um uh with the department of public health here in San Francisco, uh, working with uh, Jeff Kaczynski's department uh, mm-hmm. and working with the mayor uh, closely on that. Uh, and our th- and the third is um, how do we help the, the city and county be more efficient and effective with their dollars? So mm-hmm. we've helped fund data, a data system called the One System that can actually really understand where all of our homeless neighbors are interacting with the the system mm-hmm. uh we've done it we're doing a jail pilot program uh with the sheriff's department mm-hmm. so we're doing a lot of different things um the big thing is that we're building the, that you'll hear more about in the coming years that we bought a piece of property in the soma district mm-hmm. um and we are trying to build a hundred and four not trying we are building a 146 unit building mm-hmm. uh it will be done in under three years and under four hundred thousand dollars a unit which still sounds crazy, but right now it takes six to seven years to get something built and $700,000 a unit. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to bend the cost curve down and we're trying to prove to everybody that we can build housing uh, here in San Francisco at that price and then that time frame. And if we can do that, we're off to the races throughout the region because if we can do that in San Francisco, we can do that throughout. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And by no means... Some people are going to be like, well, you shouldn't just build in San Francisco. It's not about building our way out of the problem. Mm -hmm. It's about uh, proving and testing and prototyping a concept that can work not only in San Francisco, but everywhere. We need to build housing throughout the state of California. You heard that from the governor in his state of the state speech, focused solely on housing and homelessness. Um, But we got to own some of the responsibility here in san francisco mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and uh, uh so the proactive approach and trying to pull together your philanthropic community to also get involved um i think is also a response to what has felt like as a resident the city not doing enough the problem getting worse the presence being overwhelming and people being really frustrated by i mean you talked about it like you talked about a lot of good things are happening and um billionaires are bad 
like like you said, home homeless is, is bad, yeah. and um, and so like in a lot of ways, your intervention is necessary because of um, a lack of progress from the city. You know, and I, I know you wouldn't say that because like you, you're working with everybody, and um, and I think they they all bring you on as a willing partner, mm-hmm. but uh, um, but it was important for me to say that, and and I appreciate the leadership that you have uh initiated with whoever else is involved to get that going i want to dig in a little bit more to this project the the housing project okay how are you going to how are you going to bend the cost curve so we used sb35 mm-hmm. um which allowed for i think we got an extra level um uh if if you build 100 percent supportable housing mm-hmm. or affordable housing in this case it's extremely low income housing eli mm-hmm. housing um uh, we got through all these CEQA reviews much quicker. So actually bought the piece of property and within seven months it had passed planning and the board of supervisors with uh, unanimous support at both mm. department and at the supervisory level, mm-hmm. um, which just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're acting as a private kind of uh, our philanthropic dollars are ac- actually acting as, you know, like private funds that, w- so we didn't have to go out and get loans and mm-hmm. go through that process, which takes, that can take a couple years in it of itself before SB 35, it probably would have taken us 18 to 24 months to get mm-hmm. approval. Mm-hmm. We got it in six. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, uh, looking at different ways to get it built. We're looking at modular. We're looking at, um, you know, stick built construction as well. Um, and we'll see. We, we haven't determined what we're using at this point, but uh, we hope to start construction later this year, mm-hmm. and we hope to have it open by the end of next summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be two years, nine months since the time we actually purchased the land. And the $400,000 number is mm-hmm. inc- includes land price. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to do is use philanthropic capital, um, and then we will lease the units back to the city. So the, the city through its coordinated entry program will place the people into the housing. And this is for single adults. Mm-hmm. Um, they have own kitchen, own, you know, own bathroom. They're, they're, they're small units. They're 200, 100 square foot units, 210 mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're kind we're trying to make a beautifully built building. It's going to have, it's going to fit in well with the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, you know, it's right now a surface parking lot that mm-hmm. barely gets used. Mm-hmm. And yet, by the way, we had tremendous opposition from the from the neighborhood groups. Um, we also had tremendous support, um, but I, I saw firsthand how difficult it is to get stuff built here in, mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And for, you know, some people had some valid concerns, no question. And then there's totally irrational concerns, like why are you going to park a hundred homeless people in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's already homeless people in your neighborhood. There's homeless people in every neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you'd rather them on the street really suffering and dying on our streets, mm-hmm. right? You don't, you don't want to house them or you want to house them just not in your neighborhood. Right. And I get the concern on your warehousing and Soma and your warehousing and the Tenderloin, uh, 
we're we're funding a a, a second hummingbird a mental health uh, facility mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be in the mission district mm-hmm. um you know i've talked to all the, the advocates in the tenderloin who have said stop warehousing and we listen mm-hmm. and so we're doing something in the mission i'd be the first one to say let's put uh, a nav center in every district in in the city we should put housing in every district uh, you know formerly Mm -hmm. homeless housing and supportive housing units in every district in the city Mm -hmm. this is not just a tenderloin or soma or mission problem it's a city-wide problem yeah no i completely agree completely agree and um and you know as i've been going out throughout throughout my neighborhood and having conversations with uh, people about you know yeah the the city is so split on this issue um but there is on which is on, 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 on the issue of uh, where the house folks. Where to, yeah, right. Like um, people want it. People want it. People want to solve. They don't want to solve near them. Mm-hmm. And some people do want to solve near them. And some people look at the data and see, you know, all of the fears associated with like navigation centers are actually unfounded. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, or but, and 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 the other issue is they say that it'll depress their home values. Also unfounded. Mm-hmm. If you build new affordable housing or supportive housing right. unfounded yeah 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 and uh and you know people so I, I think it's 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 an important thing to walk through side by side with with people even if they have opposition absolutely um, absolutely and and you're in you and the other folks involved in the project are obviously doing that um who gets a unit so this, so it, it will go through coordinated entry, which is city run, and it's kind of part of the, the data project that we help, but you, you kind of sign up, you're on a waiting list for housing, mm-hmm. um, and in this case, it's, it's for formerly homeless individuals, mm-hmm. and so, uh, and in this case, adult individuals, so it's not going to be for family units, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, uh, was just not part of our initiative. We mm-hmm. were focused on chronic homelessness, which is almost entirely single adults, um, so it goes through the coordinated entry system. It's a Got simple it. answer. We tipping point won't be picking and choosing who goes in there. Mm-hmm. It's a, it will, we will essentially be handing the, the day-to-day operations off to, um, I believe uh, we're going to be using Episcopal community services to manage the building mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and the city will work with them. Um, but there will be on-site services provided for folks. Um, there will be case management, uh, and uh, we already have in touch with community groups to help support the the folks that are living there and to hopefully be as productive as neighbors as anyone else living there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and and you you mentioned um, growing up near University High School, which is like what is that? Uh, that's in Pack the, Heights. Pack Heights. Yeah. And so, and that's in District Two. That's D2, yeah. Okay, yeah. and D2 should have, you believe D2 should have a navigation center? Absolutely. I I, uh, I remember- You know, you're upset a lot of your neighbors when you said- I'll probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I well, know where you stand already. I, what, what, <laughs> um, one of my neighbors is a former presidential candidate uh, who just dropped out after South Carolina. So he, I imagine he'll be fully supportive. I remember uh, with, I believe it was with Larkin Street, there was a, King Edward II on on Lombard Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a. I don't remember if it was an old hotel or not, but um, there was talk of putting um, uh, former foster youth in this building. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling at that time Supervisor Farrell and being mm-hmm. like, "We need we need to have these kids are going to be 
great. They're going to do well. And no neighbors wanted former foster youth in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I was pushing back then to say, and once again, D2, absolutely. I mean, I hear more complaints about what's going on in our city from my neighbors than just about anybody else. And Mm -hmm. they need to be part of the solution too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I'll, I'll yell that from the the rooftops. Um, There's, there's land. And, and by the way, there's land, there's a lot of land in the city. There's people that say there's no land, there's no place to build. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we need to rezone lots of parts of the city. Mm -hmm. The idea that we should just have two story buildings everywhere throughout the city. is not, I don't think, uh, the right policy. Uh, the idea that, uh, I mean, I've, I honestly think we've become such a progressive city that we've become, we've gone so far left that we're now all the way back on the right. We're like, Mm. uh, yeah, I want my neighborhood for me and for nobody else. Mm -hmm. I got people telling me we shouldn't take care of anybody that comes from outside San Francisco. Mm -hmm. We should like these people aren't from San Francisco. You know who that sounds like? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. sounds like our president Mm -hmm. saying, keep people out. We shouldn't help. We shouldn't provide any support to, I mean, it's a crazy time in mm-hmm. San Francisco. Uh, and it, and I understand people's frustration. We're paying a lot in taxes mm-hmm. and um, our streets are not safe. You feel like you can't park your car and leave anything in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your windows can get broken. And by the way, your windows probably can get broken anyway, even if you have a car that has got nothing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all need to be part of the solution is kind of mm-hmm. my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the... So yeah, property crimes, um, you know, are uh, are up. Like violent crime, even it's down, right? It's down. Yeah, that's not reported, and um, and everyone wants it, something to be done. Um, what one one of one of the uh, things I wanted to get into? I mean, damn, I, I don't want to leave this issue alone. We could talk about homelessness for a long time. Um, this. I think the city is more so in a place where it wants like aggressive action. Yeah. And um and people are really I think people's sensibilities about it being near them is probably based on what they see outside. You know, like feces on the street, people shooting up mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. Like that's mostly what people are responding to. I mental health I agree. You know, episodes and and so um near our, near a lot of our schools i'm hearing from like our custodial staff and parents like i have to walk my kids past needles on the way to school yeah and so the idea of that just kind of being like open and all over the place near them is like uh you know it's, it's probably like the source of their fear yep you know yep um and and that's that's i understand that fear um and, and people, their their political correctness kind of goes out the window yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when their kids are involved or when their house yes. is involved. Yeah, you know. Um, and and so, but I but I think but I think we're divided. It's kind of like um, there are people like you that are moving forward, and I think members of the board of supervisors they're probably moving forward depending on who introduces it. Mm-hmm. Like if if they want it, then I'll do it. If mm-hmm. that person wants it, then I won't do it. You right. Know, it's probably right, like that, right. that political right. stuff happening. Um, but so more, more is getting off the ground. It's not getting off the ground in a quick enough way. And, um, and so that's kind of where we are. You so know? What, when you say 
people want aggressive how, how would you approach it as you know the mm -hmm. next supervisor of district five how would you how would you take this issue on about mm -hmm. kind of the fear of walking down the street or the supposed fear of the perceived unsafety mm -hmm. uh, the, the safety level on our streets yeah yeah I, so so being on the school board i um i deal with i i, I talk to parents all the time that have like fears founded on, and unfounded about um their their children mm -hmm. you know and some people opt out of our system because they don't want to deal with like school climate issues or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. and and i know that that fear is coming from a place like i'm talking about process they're talking about their baby yeah, yeah. You know, we're not talking about like you know we're coming from a different a completely yep. different place so whenever i'm having those conversations i have to come in knowing that like um we're, we're coming at this thing a bit differently and i understand your fear yeah right um as we and we have to kind of really dig this, this is we have to we have to walk through it together like we have to say okay um i have to make myself available to you i have, I have to hear you i have to address this and then and then we have to get to the root cause of what it actually is like mm -hmm. are you afraid for your child's safety like your, your child's going to be okay are you afraid for your we have to kind of go back and forth about that mm -hmm. it's, and people are going to be on a spectrum some people are going to be movable others mm -hmm. aren't but when we talk about like a district-wide plan you know, and we pull up every property that should be on the table for a community discussion, right? Every vacant parking lot, every um, church that has an underutilized parish. Oh my God, um, so many know. of those. Yeah, uh, and, and we have a lot of them in District 5. Yeah. And so um, I say, okay, this is everywhere we can do this as a community. Um, like, these are the people that will say yes. It's kind of like with the Brilliant Corners Initiative, right? We have, like Alex was explaining, we have, what, it's, what is it, 3,800 units that are currently unoccupied. I'm probably getting the number wrong, but of that number, maybe 20% say yes. Like, we yeah. have to get to, we have to have everybody ask, have it, get the yeses that we can, yes. and then move forward on our yeses. Absolutely. And so, um, so the ag aggressive sentiment may not be satisfied, yeah. right? But- but it but it will be worked toward and, yeah. I, and and that's sort of what we have to walk through together and yeah. when we have leadership anywhere in the city that um is like anti certain groups like you know you can't you have to you're probably working with people that have a billion dollars or close to it in order to get this together you can't mm -hmm. go out saying like i'm anti these people when they could be a part of the solution yeah to help get at you have to like have a collaborative approach you know yes. so so we uh, we, we need that in the public realm is what you're saying too yeah we need yeah i mean we need we need leaders city leaders that are willing to work together with other people yeah. and so um yeah so when people say aggressive i would say i agree and we may not get to it at the rate that you want to but we're going to have a full-fledged plan to address the problem at the capacity that we need to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. What would you say to that? Uh, no, listen, it's always about bringing people together. And I think I totally agree right now that we're, it's just, it's, it's just so negative out there. Um, you know, I still, you know, you, you could walk to lots of different parts of the city and it's beautiful and it's, relatively clean and you know you got the waterfront and you got 
part, I, you know, I think the parks department's doing a, a, a really good job these days. Um, so we got a lot that we should, you know, I hate when they, we got more that we agree on than mm-hmm. we don't agree on, you know, mm-hmm. that's a typical politician yeah. line. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that is true. And I think I'll just speak from what, how I feel about this issue is when we looked into the homeless and the mental health issue, because it, it's not, n- not everyone that is homeless is, um, uh, well, not everybody that's living in poverty is homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're, we're addressing issues of poverty with this homelessness initiative. We realized we were stepping outside of our comfort zone and that we were also talking about people that were really mentally ill and needed help and support and putting those folks in jail. is not, the right answer. We Mm -hmm. need to get them more mental health beds. Our, my feeling is the city for the last 20 years has not provided enough access to, and we're not big fans of shelter. We think we need to build more permanent supportive housing, Mm -hmm. but you need shelter beds or you need permanent supportive housing. You need mental health beds. You need a place to go. And then by the way, it's not okay to be on the street doing whatever it is, the the open air drug use, Mm -hmm. I don't think should ever be okay, but if we have uh, you know, a safe injection site, which I believe we should, we should get a couple of those up and running, and then no one is allowed to shoot up on our street. No mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I understand the temptation to say, well, they got no place to go, um, but that's not okay. It's, it should not be okay anymore mm-hmm. because what I think we're doing is we're protecting the rights of 1% of uh, San Franciscans at the expense of the 99% of us that have kids that want to walk down the street and not uh, feel either threatened or uh, have to sidestep feces, whatever it is, all that talk. But until we have enough places for folks to go and for uh, social workers or police officers to direct people to, then we can't say anything. Mm-hmm. But that's we've been trying to increase what we call the solution set and the ability for people to have a place to go to get sober, to get well, to see a case manager. And we just haven't invested wisely. Mm-hmm. And I think we're getting there and I think we'll get there soon. And at that point, then you can start saying we're not tolerating any of this behavior anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to get to that point where it's, not, I don't think it's okay for people to, be shooting up heroin on on the street, like right on Market Street, where we're like, we're gonna ban lots of cars, but we're not gonna ban open air heroin. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, our, like it just doesn't make any sense to anyone, and that's where you lose people. So, mm-hmm. um, so when you say, all right, so when you say not ban, and I, you know, there shouldn't be. I've, I've walked through the Tenderloin, and me, you walk anywhere in the city, and we should. I, just out of respect for our children, we shouldn't just, you know, as a city, we shouldn't allow it. But like, how about respect for the people living, like people living in those tents? Like, I've walked, I've walked the Tenderloin. I've, I've ducked into those tents. I've walked underpasses and uh, or the highway uh, with with social workers and people that work for the city. It's not safe in there for them. They're not well. They're sick. They're we're, like literally, people are killing themselves using awful, awful substances. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. So. It's forget just for our kids, and it's also in support of the folks living on the street. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, so sorry, I interrupted you. Well, um, 
the i don't get fired up at all <laughs> no i i was the the response right because you yeah, say yes, when is yes. It, when is whenever you talk zero tolerance um you know the the answer it becomes the question becomes like so what is what happens when it's violent? Yeah, yeah, yeah no no so i would be i would be in the future zero tolerance if there was a place for that intravenous drug user to go to go do drugs safely mm -hmm. and hopefully have a case manager there that can talk that person out of it mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of crazy we're saying go do drugs safely <laughs> i know it is crazy yeah. but that's where we are yeah. and so to your point that's the political line we're trying to walk to you know it's trying to like like we 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 can't say like um hey if if there's somebody that works for the city that sees you outside doing drugs uh, they are going to, um, you know, detain you, take you somewhere so you can do your drugs there. You know, and then you're talking to somebody that's not well. So you're expecting someone not well to go somewhere to do drugs. And, you know, we, if you know anybody it's struggling a with It's a crazy conversation. Yeah. So anybody struggling with, with addiction is not like going to make a plan, you know. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a likely outcome for someone that's not well. You but know? I, do, I do think, I think... Safe injection sites are absolutely something we should be trying. Mm -hmm. And I do think a social worker should be able to move somebody forcibly or not forcibly off the street if they are doing drugs. In Like if we're talking about in front of a school or down the street. I mean, I've walked by my kid's school where my kid's playing next to the fence and there's someone doing drugs on the, just like on the stoop right outside mm -hmm. the fence. Mm -hmm. It's not okay for that guy, and it's definitely not okay for the kids to see it. Mm -hmm. And so I think we sh that's why we need to have the safe injection site, bring somebody there, and not allow it. And I'm not saying put everybody in prison. Not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's create uh, solutions or um, places for people to go. Just like we need more housing, mm -hmm. we need more beds, we need really specifically the biggest thing i think is the mental health beds mm -hmm. then you have some place for trained social workers to get somebody into an ambulance or somewhere and take that person to a, a place mm -hmm. because guess what we're doing that now mm -hmm. and we take them to the emergency room where mm -hmm. we spend on some we on the top 100 frequent flyers as they call them we're spending a hundred thousand dollars a year per person mm -hmm. to Get them in to forcibly move them. Mm -hmm. Everybody's everybody's saying, "Oh, everybody's got rights." Yeah, they do have rights, but right now they also have rights, and we're spending a hundred thousand dollars for them to just cycle through the emergency room, mm -hmm. which isn't good for our emergency response system. It's costing you and me as taxpayers so much more money than if we pick that person up with a trained medical provider move them to a safe injection site where they could get case management or to a mental health bed where they could sleep for a day or two, mm -hmm. spend three weeks, four weeks, eight weeks. That's less expensive than forcibly moving them into an ambulance and to the general. So this whole talk of zero tolerance, if someone's passed out on the street mm -hmm. or as we read in the Chronicle the other day, someone overdosed while driving a car in the Tenderloin, mm -hmm. We're forcibly taking them to the, mm -hmm. the police have to get that person out of the car, break the window to get them into an ambulance and to give them the injection to revive them. So 
Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. not e- I listen, it's not an easy topic, but mm-hmm. it's not. There are we do know what works. Right. We know permanent supportive housing works. 85% of the time you get somebody into housing, they stay in housing. The nav centers are working to a certain extent if you have places for people to exit to. Our housing ladder is broken. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've actually moved 200 people from permanent supportive housing into their own independent living situations, thus freeing up 200 people from the street to go mm. get support inside housing. We need to break this log jam. Mm-hmm. We've done it. We know how to do it. Governor knows how to do it. Mayor knows what needs to happen. Mayor Schaff in Oakland knows Licardo. So if there's one thing I'd love to say, we can do this. Like, there's a lot of people that say oh, we can't fix this. We can absolutely fix this problem, mm-hmm. and we can spend the same amount of money that we're spending now. We just have to spend it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to go. You have to go from here and and do a bunch of important stuff. So I want to. I want to get you out of here. I'm retired. Remember. <laughs> um, all right. What What is next? What's next for you? I got to coach my son's soccer team and baseball team this week um my wife's working for the governor okay uh so she's up in sacramento three or four days a week so i am spending a little more time uh uh with my son and my daughter which is awesome um i'm exploring next steps but i'm trying to take some time off it was Mm a i I started tipping point 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh i think we've done amazing things i'm going to be chair of the board for the next three years. So still heavily involved and still, um, you know, daily talking about our chronic homelessness initiative and, and helping Chris block. Who's our director of that. Mm -hmm. He and I are on the phone constantly. I'm in the office, you know, at least once a week talking about that. So I'm going to focus on homelessness, being the best board chair I can. And who's, who's running to point now, uh, Sam Cobbs, who is great. He was the executive director of First Place for Youth for over a decade, one of our partner partner organizations. And he was at Tipping Point for two years. Okay. Uh, and he was president of Tipping Point all of last year. And so he stepped into the CEO role on January 6th. So uh, he and I are, uh, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure he takes Tipping Point to the next level, which I know he will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so I always in the podcast talking about leadership and legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any guiding principles when it comes to leadership? I was actually, so going to a lunch tomorrow uh, where they're sending me off. I have no idea what's coming, but I was thinking about this because um, I think the principles I've always led by are uh, first, at tipping point, how I led was that like tipping point was my family um and i let people run um so i i believe in kindness i believe in generosity and i believe in um uh uh finding the best people and letting them run the show Mm -hmm. so uh i think i had some of the best staff in the philanthropic world nonprofit world that this country has ever seen. I think we've built something incredible. And I think you got to always treat people with respect. Um, I think how you described how you, you know, understanding where the parents are coming from and trying to put yourself in their shoes is something that I've always tried to do. Um, and then I always think the work that we did at tipping point, um, you know, there was this 
temptation to say, oh, we have all this money and we have the power and to really distribute that power and try to put the power in the hands of the nonprofits that we were serving. Mm. So um, picking great people, being kind, being generous and, 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 and service with a sense of humility um, is kind of how I always hoped tipping point would be perceived as. And so, yeah, I think humility at the end of the day in, in, in this work is critically important. So I hope that's what I instilled in people. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and legacy. I didn't get to talk as much about your upbringing as I wanted to. I didn't get to get into your family story and everything, but, um, uh, I named my company after my great grandfather, Luther Harris. It's called the Luther Harris Holding Company. Okay. Um, he came to San Francisco in 1947 uh, to this neighborhood, bought homes for him and all of his children. He had a sixth grade education. His uh, legacy is, is important to me. Mm-hmm. This is his dictionary. These are my great grandmother's chairs. <laughs> They're comfortable. I think held, held up for the last hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's not the response for everybody that comes up. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy them. Um, how do you think about legacy and how do you think about your legacy? Oh, man. Uh, my legacy, come on. I'm young. Uh-huh. I, got, I, I, well, I guess I, I can't see the menu at restaurants anymore. So maybe I'm getting <laughs> older. My, um, how do I think about my legacy? Service. I mean, I, I want, I want, uh, it to be about service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and that's what drove me a tipping point. Like I was, I uh, have, you know, incredible fortune to grow up with. um, I always say not just two parents, but four parents. My parents got divorced when I was two. Mm -hmm. Had a great stepfather who passed away more than 15 years ago. Uh, My mom, my dad, my stepmother kind of always instilling in me that I had it very good and that we had to be part of the solution. My dad's a rabbi. always being part of the solution and and understanding your obligation to the community and and um i hope what we've done at tipping point and alongside my board and and the leadership council and our staff is is that um no matter how tough you have it someone else is probably struggling more and 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 so whatever you got you should give it and uh and so i i hope tipping point is is you know i I hopefully be hard pressed to do something that serves more people uh, in this life. Like I, I think we've done an incredible amount. I think we have more to do, um, but it, it's about service and 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 community and and if we aren't, uh, you know, I remember uh, a friend of mine, Tazo, spoke at one of our early benefits, and he said, if you're if you look to the left and you look to your right and, and those two aren't doing that well, then you're not going to be doing that well. If the, if that person your left and your right are doing as well as you're doing, then you got something. Mm-hmm. And and right now we have far too many people, not only in San Francisco, but in this region and this country that are not doing well. And so uh, the better they do, the better we all do. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the legacy, I hope, of Tipping Point. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. Good to see you. Yeah, you also. Peace, peace, and thank you for listening to another episode of Cook on Monday Morning. I'd like to thank Daniel, Lori, uh, for coming on today's podcast. You know, what what, he, what he's accomplished with Tipping Point, I think, is uh, an incredible testament to 
what philanthropy can do if it's aligned directly with trying to solve actual city issues in real time. Um, so, you know, he's, he's learned a ton of lessons that I've really enjoyed, like picking his brain about various different topics. He and the people that he's brought to the table are all important stakeholders in improving outcomes in our city. And um, and I think it shows, you know, even if if you ha are well-resourced or if you're not, like we're gonna get to a better place if everyone can get on the same page about trying to do something serious when it comes to issues of um, homelessness or whatever the case may be. So I'd like to thank him. I'd like to thank um, everyone that's made this podcast possible. I'd like to thank our videographer and producer, David Topete. Thank you, sir. I'd like to thank Fernando Cinco Marquez for uh, the editing he does in the newsletter. I'd like to thank Icy House for providing the mics for the podcast. And I'd like to thank you know all of you that have been sharing, liking, subscribing to the podcast. We are growing our community. We are telling interesting stories. People are uh, learning and that's really what this is supposed to be about because at Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. I do have a special ask for anyone out there that may know. I'm looking for the founder of uh, Red Bay Coffee. Uh, Red Bay Coffee is a, a coffee company based out in Oakland. They have a black founder. I'd love to have him on a podcast. This is Red Bay Coffee in my cup. <laughs> um, I really, I think it's amazing coffee. So if you all know that person, um, put me in touch. I like to just end this as we always do by thanking everyone that makes San Francisco the incredible city that it is. I like to thank our teachers, our, our school lunch workers, our janitors, our first responders, uh, the people that drive our buses, the people that keep our streets clean, uh, the people that are in on the front lines, uh, helping people who are struggling most. Thank you. This city is incredible because of you. Uh, we are who we are because of you, and um, I really appreciate you. So I'd like to thank all of you um, for making the city great, and uh, I'd like to also just say anyone in other cities such as you know, Oakland, LA, Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, the state of Tennessee, Mississippi, Nashville, you know, throughout Florida and Michigan, especially Detroit, Philadelphia. Let me know what you're doing to improve your Monday morning. Let me know about the people that are making a difference in your community. Uh, let's continue to build together. Let's continue to learn from each other and have a great Monday. Peace, peace, and we out.